welcome to this episode of Wall Street to Main Street. I'm your host, Emily Advani, here with my co-host, finance expert and author, and my husband, Ruben Advani. Hi, Ruben. Hi, Emily. Just a quick disclaimer before we get started that the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to our hosts and guests and not necessarily to our employers, organizations, committees, or other groups or individuals. The content is for informational purposes only. You should not construe any such information or other material as legal, tax, investment, financial, medical, or other advice. So throughout this pandemic, many of us, both personally and professionally, people across the country, across the globe, we've seen a lot of lows. But there's something that has seen an ultimate high, and that is the stock market. Recently, the S&P 500 reached a new high. Ruben, you need to explain to us what is going on there. It seems counterintuitive to everything else that's going on. Well, in a lot of ways, it is counterintuitive. At the very least, it's a, it's a new paradigm. It's unlike anything we've ever seen before in terms of what's driving it. But at the same time, the situation around us is also unlike anything we in our lifetimes have seen before. So maybe it shouldn't be so surprising. What's happening is that there are a number of forces at play here. First and foremost, the stock market is a forward-looking indicator. In other words, it looks at where the economy is going to be, not today, not tomorrow, but one year, three years, five years out. Companies build these forecasts around their expectations. And in turn, investors place their funds into investments based on how they'll perform over the long run. Now, obviously, there are exceptions. There's certainly short-term trading and volatility, and that's probably a topic for another day. But for our purposes, to sum it up, number one, people are looking ahead. They're looking at not so much where companies are today, because the fact of the matter is they're in a disastrous position, with, with the exception of some companies in certain industries. But more importantly, they're looking at where these companies will be 12, 18, 24 months out and beyond. And that leads me to the second point. Investors themselves are also looking at some sort of relief from these dire circumstances. They're looking for possibilities of an effective vaccine. They're looking for possibilities of better treatments for the virus. They're looking at better social distancing practices. In other words, they're looking for signs of hope. Can we manage this pandemic? Can we get through it? Can we get to a point where it is no longer a pandemic? And for the most part, the broader investor public is optimistic. So number two, they're looking at positive momentum in terms of how we manage the pandemic. And finally, the last point I'll make is that what else is there? Where else are people going to invest? The reality is rates are effectively zero right now. So that affects many asset classes. The only possibility of earning any kind of notable return right now is in the, in the stock market. And that's where investors are placing their investment funds. So I would say these three primary factors are what's driving it. So when you're talking about it kind of being the only place where maybe you can see sizable returns, 
This is due in large part because of the Federal Reserve and the interest rates being so low. So when you're putting money into things, just like cash, you know, savings account or bonds, you're not getting that high rate of return, relative high rate of return that you perhaps used to. Well, you're really not getting any rate of return right now. So the option for people who are fortunate enough to have some surplus cash is put your money in the bank and effectively earn nothing on it. So it's basically there for safekeeping. Or you put it in the stock market, and what you're seeing is the stock market continues to soar. If you'd put your money in the stock market back in March, you would have made somewhere between 30 to 40% return on your money in five months. That is unheard of. Now, is this going to continue? That, that, that's anyone's guess. I can't even begin to speculate on it. But the way investors are looking at this, the risk-reward profile right now of the stock market is far more compelling than any other asset class. Now, can some of these gains, this optimism, um, the positivity around things going in the right direction also be due to the stimulus And the question there is, as the stimulus runs out, will we see backpedaling with businesses and all these moves in the right direction? Well, clearly there are sectors of this economy that have functioned better than others in the midst of a very challenging situation. And that's largely been attributed to the stimulus. In other words, people have some cash, thanks to the stimulus package, so that they can spend on certain essential and even certain non-essential items. So for example, technology has done very well. Uh, Technology has done well because we've adapted our behavior to the pandemic. We work from home. We use distance learning protocol. We communicate with our friends more through various um, telecommunication apps that you know previously we may not have considered. So the bottom line is sectors of the economy are doing well. Certain sectors of the economy are also propped up because people do have some surplus cash right now. So I think that certainly fuels the stock market to some degree, but I really do believe the the primary driving forces are the ones that I listed previously. So, you know, it's it's all working in tandem. And so far it has created at least some upward momentum. Well, when speaking of the stimulus... Something else that may be propping up the stock market, maybe not a ton, but you've heard some stories, read some articles about how young people took their stimulus checks and actually invested them, which would be the last thing I would have done in my 20s. Interestingly, yes, indeed, I've heard this. This is all anecdotal, so I can't point to data. I'm sure somebody's done uh, some study on this, but I've talked to a number of uh, young young professionals in their 20s and early 30s, and really a surprising number of them have told me they took their stimulus checks and they invested a portion of them or, or even more than a portion of them. And it's interesting to me how, one, what this uh, you know says about our culture in this time of crisis, people are, are looking for opportunity. And two, just the general shift in terms of financial awareness or financial literacy. The fact that maybe 10 years ago, this would have been unheard of. Nowadays, people are looking at real opportunities and seeking out value in places like the stock market. So I, you know, I'm looking forward to finding out more about this, but I do think that that could, could have been a factor in 
some of that upward movement in the stock market. Well, something else that is definitely fueling these gains in the stock market are the big companies. So individuals may be investing their stimulus on a small scale, but this is big scale stuff. So we're talking about big tech, Apple, Amazon, Microsoft. And speaking of Apple, they recently were the first U.S. company to reach the $2 trillion value mark. Ruben, you got to tell me what's going on here. I, I, I've been uh, chomping at the bit on this one. This is, is fascinating to me. In just around two years, Apple's market value has doubled. It wasn't that long ago. It was 2018 when the company hit the $1 trillion mark. And here we are today at $2 trillion. That's a remarkable feat. So it, it really dovetails with this idea around the big companies are performing exceptionally well, especially those in, in tech in the midst of, of the global pandemic. Why is that? Well, one, we've recognized that good or bad tech is not going away. And two, tech can actually thrive in the midst of an economic slowdown. We've become more reliant on tech, even though many, many people across the globe are hurting economically, they are still paying Apple. They're paying Apple for streaming. They're paying Apple for their phones. We've basically determined that tech is now an essential item. That holds true for companies like Apple. It holds true for companies like Microsoft. We're still using Microsoft operating systems, even though we are facing major economic challenges. And finally, of course, Amazon has done very well because they've played a, an integral role in how people manage stay-at-home orders and social distancing. People are ordering more and more off of Amazon. So the bottom line is, yes, these big companies were well poised for this. And I imagine they'll continue to do well even as we work our way out of the pandemic. Along with big tech, there are other big retailers that have fared well during this pandemic. You know, maybe part because small businesses were closed for so long. Um, and really, I can say from experience in our household that I've definitely been ordering more online at some big box retailers, more than I ever had. You know, I was the kind of person that would drive to the store, go to the local hardware store, the local clothing shop to pick up items. But now, you know, for good or for bad, I've been sort of forced into buying things at these big retailers. So they're doing well. I can't be the only one who's in that position. No, you're not. And the big box retailers have done an exceptional job of managing the balance between online and in-person sales. Companies like Lowe's, Home Depot, Walmart, Target, they've all done well because they've hedged themselves. They can continue to sell profitably online and they also have the resources to adapt their stores for social distancing. I was in a Lowe's not too long ago, and it was remarkable to me how well they managed the situation. The, the store was rather, rather crowded, but it didn't feel crowded in a risky way. And I'm extremely conservative about social distancing. But when I went in there, I felt that things were orderly. Everyone was wearing masks and people were not getting close to each other. And I was able to go about my business and find what I was looking for and come out feeling very safe and secure. At the same time, I've ordered a number of essential items from these big box retailers online as well. So I think that the larger companies, 
the big box retailers in the retail space have done better than most. Now, that being said, those with a presence in malls are not faring so well because people are still not very comfortable going to the malls. And there are other big sectors that aren't faring well either, Ruben. Talk to us about that. Well, notably, oil and gas is struggling. There's uh, certainly a shock on the demand side. People are driving less, people are traveling less, and that is not doing uh, the oil companies any favors. Um, Moreover, if you dig deeper into the financials of some of these companies, they've taken on a lot of debt over the years. So that's been um, somewhat troubling. Other sectors of the economy, um, obviously travel and leisure has been hit very, very hard. Airlines are, are functioning, but only at a small percentage of capacity. And uh, thanks to some, some stimulus and some bailout loans, they've, they've been able to su- survive thus far. Cruise lines, hotels, they're all suffering. And of course, restaurants, things that we took for granted for years are facing um, some major challenges right now. And as always, it's hard to talk about anything these days, specifically the economy and the stock market, without talking about the pandemic. But to sort of go back to the beginning of our conversation, if the stock market is indeed forward-looking and the stock market recently hit an all-time high, the S&P 500, that makes me a little optimistic that if investors believe, perhaps companies believe, that in 12, 18 months, two years, we're going to be in a lot better place, that makes me feel good. So I'm going to hang on to that as a bit of optimism here. I'm going to throw some water on that. Oh, no. (laughs) The stock market is fluid. Today's view may be notably different from tomorrow's view. I'd like to hang my hat on that, but just because today the outlook is more positive than negative doesn't mean it can't reverse itself tomorrow or next week or next month. And that's something investors uh, and even stock market watchers need to be mindful of. Outlooks change all the time. So I would like to believe that things are getting better. From my vantage point, there does now seem to be a few more positives than negatives, but I really want to see how things play out in the coming months. There are a number of wild cards. One, regarding the pandemic, the treatments the procedures really have to play themselves out and prove that they're effective. Speculation is only one part of it, but at the end of the day, the results speak for for themselves. Two, we are in the midst of what promises to be a very interesting and very spirited presidential election. There's a great deal of speculation around what that looks like and what it means for the economy and how we manage this crisis. So we're only a few months away from that. I'd like to see what happens, how things evolve in the coming months around the election. So we have a lot of pieces in this puzzle. Whether they all come together neatly is is a big question. But hey, I'm a big believer in optimism. I think optimism can can often lead to positive results. So let's let's certainly think think optimistically. Well, Ruben, there's so many things to look out for with the ongoing pandemic, as you mentioned, with an upcoming presidential election, there's just no shortage of things to keep an eye on. So we look forward to returning to you with more updates and news and insights. But again, for this episode, I'm your host, Emily Vani, here with my co-host, finance expert and author, and my husband, Ruben Advani. Thank you, Emily. Thank you.